Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kipley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. So really excited. I have a friend. You know, I like friends. Um, here today with Coach Paula. This is Ms. Paula Hollis. Uh, she is a grief coach and also specializes in relationships and purposeful leadership, self-leadership and guidance and uh, just a beautiful soul. Has uh, She's an author as well. She has a whole uh, program, which we'll, we'll discuss here on today, you know, surrounding those of us that are walking through different journeys of loss and, and how loss, particularly poignant to quote Paula, uh, she stated that grief has been a gift, that sometimes grief is a gift. And that thing really struck me, especially, you know, caregiving for my mother who's 88. I walk with a weight of fear that I know I shouldn't have, but in full transparency and honesty, I walk with the fear of when when is that bow breaking? When is that time coming for me to walk through this journey? And especially now that we're getting older colleagues of mine, cohorts of mine, friends of mine that are starting to begin to lose their parents, the like, etc. So really happy to have you. You're on our 51, 51st episode. Yeah. So thank you for being with me and sitting with us today. So excited to hear your voice and to, yes. to have you speak to the CarePod audience. Well, I'm just excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me today to your entire audience. And hopefully something is said today that is encouraging and uplifting. Absolutely. So tell me, walk us through this, you know, before you, I asked all of my care pod guests their why, but before we go to your why, walk us through that statement of grief being a gift and how specifically grief has been a gift for you. Sure. Um, it's definitely been a realization that I've come to and I've come to find that has is a bit non-traditional because even when I thought of it and realized it, I'm like, what? on earth is grief a gift? I'm hurting and I'm going through these difficulties. And But I had to realize that on the other side, on the other side of grief, after I walk through all the emotions, after I give them their space, you know, after I process them, I have to look at the relationship that I had with the person. Now realize I'm framing this in the mindset of grief as far as losing a person, but grief is not just limited to the physical loss of a person. So it could be a situation, it could be a job, it could be whatever. So frame that through all of it. But um, through some of my personal losses, I had to look at, wow, there are over 6 billion people in the world. There's a reason why I came into contact with this said person or even this said experience. So what is it that I need to glean from it? Like I'm a project manager by professional trade. And so part of our best practices is we always look at lessons learned. When a project is over, we step back and we look, okay, we got through it, we made it, we implemented it, but everything didn't go exactly as planned. So what are the lessons learned that we can glean from this process? What went well? What didn't go well? And if it didn't go well, well, how can we make it better the next time? And so I employ that towards my grief journey. 
journey. Like, okay, I had a relationship with this person. What did I glean from that person? What were some of the great nuggets? What were some of the lessons learned and the things that could have gone differently or could have gone better that I need to carry forward? And so that's where it creates this gift where I become grateful for the fact that I even had the experience and that there are things that I need to learn. So I foster this gratitude, you know, as far as it. Then the I is that it becomes introspective. Like I really get intentional about what was that relationship? What was that experience? And I'm introspective about it to say, okay, what did I learn and what am I carrying forward? And then that is that forward focused thinking. Like how do I take what I experienced, how do I take what I learned and how do I make myself better? How do I make those around me better? If I have regrets or I have things that I lost, how do I make sure I don't do that in my current relationships, in my current experiences? So I create this focus forward strategy. And then last, that T is I have tenacity about it. And I also am transformed personally because there's no way that we can go through something and it not change us. Mm. But we control whether it's going to change me to be something for the better or if I'm going to be the bitter. And so that's where the gift, that gratitude, that intentionality, that forward focused thinking and that transformation really is what I've come to experience when I have grief, any loss or any disappointment, a physical person and or an experience. And so that that's been transformative for me. <laughs> yeah, that's really powerful, the gift of choice. So, you know, the change is happening inevitably. So yes. what can I do? So at what point in the grief journey did you say, okay, Paula, we're going to get our bootstraps on and we need to do the work. We need to be an in intentional about the choice we're making in, you know, our pain point and in, in giving yeah. purpose to what this yeah. trauma essentially. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's an ongoing thing. <laughs> that's a moment by moment. Cause there are some moments where it's like, you know what? I don't feel like this. Right. This right. Just, <laughs> let's just be honest. <laughs> So I it's, yeah. it's a decision that you make, but you have to constantly affirm it every moment. And, you know, one of my life mantras is that um, every moment in life gives you the opportunity to see who you are. And then it also empowers you to decide if that's who you want to be. So who I was five minutes ago is not who I am right now. And hopefully it's not who I'm going to be in five minutes into the future. And so I have to evaluate where am I right now? Do I want to sit in this? Do I want to give it a few moments or do I want to move forward? And so every moment I am in control. The power of choice is one of the greatest powers that we have in life. Um, and so as a result, I have to constantly affirm it. If I can say a real pivotal moment, though, I think two of the most pivotal moments as it relates to my decision and my thoughts around grief happened. One, when I was 15, when my brother passed away uh, one week before his high school graduation, he was 19. I was 15. And I watched my mom and my dad and how they navigated my brother's death. And it was strange for me because, you know, people would come to the house to express their condolences and they would be falling apart. 
you know, I mean, granted, my brother was a very popular young man, very handsome young man. And inside, yes, we were breaking too, but I watched the strength and I watched the resolve of my parents to comfort others when they themselves needed to be comforted. And that that resonated with me as a 15-year-old. I didn't understand the fullness of it, but it's something that stuck with me that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that I can, even in the midst of trials and difficulties and disappointments and challenges, I can still be strong. I can still move forward. And that I learned that through observation from my parents, and I've had to walk that out in my adult life. Continuing even to watch them bury all four of my brothers was devastating. Wow. But to watch their strength and to watch the way they did it, it, it placed something on the inside of me. And so that's one aspect. And then the second, I think, most pivotal moment was when my husband passed away. And two years ago, I had to really realize that, you know, during COVID, um, everyone in my household, except two of my children, were sick. And we were all, like, I was the worst. I was the first one to get it and the last one to recover. And mine was so bad, like, I literally could not speak for three seconds. Like, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. It was completely devastating. I could not sleep. I had not slept for almost five days. And I ended up having a seizure and I stopped breathing in my home. And my husband was the one who resuscitated me right here in our family room on our floor. And it is the very same floor where two years later, they could not successfully resuscitate him. And so every time, every time I sit in my house and I look at that place on the floor, it's like, I'm still here. And the person who resuscitated me is no longer here. So it creates intentionality and purpose in me that there's a reason that I'm here. And so I don't want to waste any moment in life, you know, and any impact that I'm supposed to have. I want to make sure that I have it. You know, Miles Monroe was a a huge spiritual influence for me in my life. He and his wife tragically passed away in an airplane um, crash several years ago. But one of the things that he said was that the most valuable place of real estate in the world is the cemetery or the graveyard. And that is because there's so much untapped potential Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. people die and they don't ever uh, achieve or pursue what they were intended to do. And that has always resonated with me. I don't want that to be said of me. I want to die empty. Everything I'm supposed to do, everything I'm supposed to give, I want to make sure that I discover what that is and that I implement it as to the best of my ability in my life. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, wow, that that space in your family room is, is such a, it's a transformative space. It's a it place is. of love. It's an ultimate act of love. Yes. So, so powerful. You said something about the space, you know, giving your emotions the space. Speak to that a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. So it's interesting, this two-year journey um, as a widow and as a single mom, I have most been in contact and in feeling and expression of my emotions. You know, I was always sort of a person like, okay, let's, you know, kind of damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. We got to do what we got to do and we got to get it done by any means necessary, oftentimes to the sacrifice of my emotions and not to give them license. And, um, you know, it has served me well in some regard, but maybe in other regards. 
regards. It has not served me well because I think it's created in sometimes a pocket of indifference because you're so busy removing yourself from situations that you actually do get removed from them and you disregard the actual emotion of it. And so these last two years, I've allowed myself to sit with my emotions and to realize that my emotions are a trigger, that something is going on. They're not something that should be ignored and I should figure out, like I may be manifesting one thing at the at the fruit, but the root is something different. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to take time to really sit with, okay, Paula, what are you really feeling? What does that really feel like? You know, and how do you really feel about that? I'm really sad right now. I'm really angry right now. Well, why are you angry? You know, what is making you angry? And really take some honest, I like to say I like to get hot, some honest, open, and transparent moments with myself where I really just look at it. And it's okay. I realize it's okay, that popular statement that they coined a couple years ago, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had to embrace that. And I had to realize that, you know, I can say to people that, how are you doing? Or how are you feeling? You know, I'm not all right right now, but I'm overcoming or I'm managing. Like, I I don't want to say, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But on the inside, I'm hurting. I'm not being truthful. I'm not being my most authentic self when I deny what I'm feeling. Because in all honesty, when you work through those feelings, you learn so much about yourself and you foster empathy for others. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I've spent time, I've spent more time. My happy place on earth is the hot tub because <laughs> it's a safe space. It's very relaxing, but it's also a place where I can cry and you can't tell whether it's my tears or sweat. <laughs> right? So it's the combination of self-care and soul care when I get in the hot tub. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Impactful caregiving begins with you. Become an educated and empowered caregiver to best serve the one you love. Impactful caregiving offers online geriatric certification, personally curated items for the older adult person in our caregiver shop, Jerry telehealth options, and of course, your personal dose of inspiration here on the care pod. Go to impactfulcaregiving.com. I love it. So having gone through, you know, that traumatic witness as a 15 year old and watching the strength of your parents, how have you modeled this now for your children in the context of losing their father and your husband? Yeah. You know, um, my husband was a great man. I told someone the other day, I feel like post his transition that I'm opening a treasure box and I'm discovering, you know, him all over again. It's kind of been amazing. But I say that to say my husband, was he was a country boy at heart. <laughs> And so he had a different way of doing things that, you know, they say opposites attract. And yes, we definitely were opposites in many regards. But I think one of the things that was most notable about my husband is that he had a heart of gold. He really loved people and he cared for people. And he was intentional about his conversation, his words and his interactions with you. And so I think what has been most transformative for me and my three sons has been what my husband did at a random act 
Literally, when my oldest son, over 25 years ago, when my oldest son was about six years old, and my husband was not working that day. My husband worked 34 years for the U.S. Postal Service. He happened to be off that day, and he said, hey, when, you know, MJ comes home from school, we have to have the talk with him. And so I'm like, okay, I'm a boy mom, and when I hear the talk, I'm thinking pubescence and body function. You know, I'm I'm like, okay. I'm like, he's six. Come on. Well, how did I talk now? You know, and I, I had to trust, you know, my husband. Like, I've never been a man before. So you right, know, I got to right. rely on what he said. So when my son came home for school, sure enough, my husband sat him down, gave him a snack, you know, asked him, how was your day, son? And he was like, oh, it was great, dad. You know, and he's like, listen, he's like, this isn't going to take long. There's a conversation that I need to have with you that is very important. And so I need you to pay attention. And so he's like, okay, dad, you know, he, he could realize the seriousness of the conversation. And my husband started out, he was like, you know, look, he's like, I'm so honored to be your dad. You know, he's like, of all the people in the world, all the men in the world that God could have chosen to be your dad, he chose me. And I'm so honored that, you know, you're my son because there are other, a whole lot of other little boys that could have been mine, but he gave me you. And so I'm just honored that God put us together and you're like having this little joy moment. And he's like, but I have to say, son, I've never been a dad before. And, you know, you've, yeah, he's like, I've never been a dad before and you've never been son before. He was like, so that means we're both doing something that we've never done. He's like, and so because of that, some things we're going to do really, really great. We're going to hit it out the park and we're going to do really well. And then other things, we're going to mess it up. We're just not going to do a good job. He was like, but whether we do well, son, or whether we don't do well, as long as we're together, as long as we're working together and we're, we're a team and we're working together through things, there's absolutely nothing that we can't do. He's like, so as your dad, I'm committed to be your teammate. He's like, you know, are you committed to be on my team? And he's like, yeah, dad, you know, and I'm sitting there like crying, like, oh my God, this is so, you know, like this is so beautiful. And so then they hugged, they did a high five and a fist bump and the conversation was over. So I felt kind of conflicted. Like, I'm really excited. Like that was so beautiful, but I don't know that we got to the fullness what we were supposed to talk about. So I said to my husband, babe, that was beautiful. You know, and I'm like, oh my God. And I said, but do you think he's really prepared, you know, for puberty? Like I'm still thinking, he's like, no way. He's like, that's not the conversation. (laughs) He was like, we'll talk about that later. He's like, no, he said, I just wanted to establish, you know, my fatherhood and his sonship. And I was like, wow, like that was beautiful. And so there's eight years between my first son and my second son. So my when my second son was like six and my oldest son's now 14, my husband wants to do this conversation again. And I'm like, mm, how that gonna go? Like that was really neat, you know, last time. Yeah. So my husband starts with my youngest son at that time. You've never been a son before. I've never fathered two sons. And he went to my oldest son. You've never been a big brother. You know, and so he established roles and responsibilities and he went through that whole thing again and it was yet beautiful again. And I was like, wow, okay. Then five years later, I had my baby son. And so when he turned six, when now the my middle son is like 14 or I'm sorry, 11. And then my oldest son's like, you know, 19. My husband's having this talk again. And so I'm like, okay, the third time it's going to be the charm. So he starts with my youngest again. You've never been a son. He went to my middle son. And at that point, we reframed the concept of a middle child. And mm-hmm. we called my middle son our bridge. 
Mm. And we empowered him to know we didn't want any middle child syndrome. We empowered him to know that he is the bridge. He is a connector between his oldest and his youngest son. And to this day, he's 23 years old. He lives his life as a connector. Because what what you call a thing is what it becomes. And so then he went to my oldest son. You're gonna, you know, you're now junior dad. Not only are you a big brother, you're a man now. And you have a responsibility to these two minors to help them as well. And so my husband, in three independent conversations, framed our lives for us. And so at the moment when my husband passed away, we're in the hospital. I'm looking at my three sons. I'm looking at my husband. Like, what do we do now? Like, where do we go from here? How, how do we navigate this? Those conversations, those three conversations that we had independently and never even ever repeated again, belched up in me. And I looked at my sons and I said, guys, listen. I was like, um, we're, we can do this. We can get through this, even though this is something we've never done before. You know, I've never wow. been a widow. I've never lived independently outside of your husband, my husband, because I married him right out of college. And I said, you've never lived a day without your father in your life. And my children, one by one, started chiming in. Yeah, we're going to do some things right, mom. And then another son, yep, we're going to do some things wrong. It's like the one-off conversation that he had with them still resonated. And I mean, we looked at each other and we're like, we are going to give each other grace and space as we navigate this uncharted territory. But we can get through it because we're a team. We're going to honor one another. We're going to be, you know, transparent with one another. We are going to share with one another and we're going to model what your father gave us. That is legacy. And that is what my family, my children and I, we live out day by day. It's not easy. It's not. But we have this foundation that has established us. And that's what we walk on. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, it's it's so beautiful. It's It's beautiful. It's powerful. It speaks to so many things. You know, it speaks to the power of what we sow into our children, the power of what we speak over ourselves. Yes. You know, the grace that we extend to one another, the power of love. Yes, all of it. It shakes my head. I'm overwhelmed that. and, And I mean, my husband had no idea that he was giving us something such as so valuable. And the treasure, he just was establishing, my husband was really big on fatherhood and he wanted to establish fatherhood and sonship with his children, but he truly did in such a phenomenal way. Wow. So, okay. So let's pivot a little bit and tell us how is Paula now, Coach Paula, creating this legacy in the marketplace and how do you, listen, I want to take your course for goodness sake. (laughs) Tell me about it. Tell me how, you know, share with our CarePod audience how one connects. Tell us about your remote offerings, et cetera. Yeah, I would just like to say, you know, for all those that are caregivers, you know, I encourage you uh, in what it is that you're doing. Um, I was a caregiver for my mom. Um, She uh, passed away on my birthday in 2009. Yes, she did. She passed away on my birthday um, after a battle with cancer. But she had such intentionality about living to 
celebrate my birthday with me. And so her last words to me were to celebrate life. And so that is something that constantly spurs me in what I need to do. I have to find, I look for life in every circumstance and situation because opposite of death is life. And so being a grief coach now, it's just like, really? This, I feel like it's become, it's come full circle. And so my product offerings to my clients are really to help them to reframe and to celebrate life and to see that there is life even after death. You know, there's your life that you live and then there's the life that you carry forward for the person that is no longer here or the relationship that has gone. There's things that you still carry forward. And so I offer very practical tools. Um, I think that for me, it's all about intentionality. It's all about growth, purpose and success. And so I help my clients to navigate through where they are, but ultimately to get to the side of growth purpose, and success. Because at the end of the day, we are individuals that have a responsibility, not only to ourselves, but to one another to be the best version of ourselves. And so, um, you know, I have different classes. Um, I did recently just launch uh, PH Academy. Um, PH is not just my initials, Paula Hollis, but it's also that PH, you know, we think about environments that there's acidity, there's alkalinity, there's neutrality, and one little thing can throw off the pH within, within that balance. And so I'm interested in helping people to find that balance. Everybody's balance is different because it's a scale. It's a sliding scale. And so the different classes that I offer help people to find that. So we talk about identity. So there's like, you know, a class on nice to meet me, you know, getting to know yourself. How many of us really know ourselves? Mm -hmm. Most of us, quite honestly, try to hide. Mm -hmm. And don't really want to get to know ourselves. So we talk about identity. um, We talk about purpose. We talk about vision. We talk about growth. And so the different classes are self-paced that are within PH Academy. But then I also do group coaching um, and I'll do some one-on-one coaching. So I try to service as much as I can um, for what people's needs are at both an individual and a collective level, realizing that at the end of the day, We want to go from grief to growth, and we want to make certain that along that journey, we don't miss a beat and we take advantage of everything that is necessary for our individual growth. Um, One of the other things, too, I think that's helpful in my grief journey is finding your voice. Mm, so many mm. people, so many people don't have their voice. Mm-hmm. And so that's another aspect of some of the training and um, classes that we explore, being able to find your authentic voice and knowing what that is and having the courage to walk that out. If it's different, have the courage to be different. If yeah. it's not, you, it, it, it's, we're all unique. We all have unique fingerprints. Like when you think all these billions of people, it's okay to be unique. And quite honestly, we should celebrate that. And so those are t- some mm-hmm. of the things that I try to help people or I, I help people to navigate and walk through through my business. Absolutely. And sometimes even that losing the voice through the harrowing journey, whatever that may be, be it caregiving, yeah. being, you know, grieving the loss while the person is still alive, yes. uh, all of those things. So even losing the voice through the experience and finding Absolutely. that. Yeah. Yes. Well, That's so important. <laughs> your husband's life is not in vain. No. You are living life. You are an example. 
of what it looks like to grow and to not waste experiences. And mm. I'm just so honored to call you friends, honored As to well. have you sit with me today. So yes. honored. Uh, Thank you so much website? for having me. Is there a website or? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. My personal website is www.paulahollis.com. Dot com. Okay, and, and that's so, H-O-L-L-I-S.com. Yes, Paula Hollis, H-O-L-L-I-S as in Samuel.com. And there's links on there to contact me, links on there for my different coaching programs, links for the books that I've written. Um, yeah, just it's opportunity there to um, learn about me and to connect. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I just speak grace and peace to your audience and I encourage to those that are in the caregiving um, mode to just really, you know, as you're caring for your loved one, also remember to care for yourself, you know, and to take that time as be intentional about taking that time. If it's five minutes, whatever it is, you deserve that and be able to take that time to care for yourself, not just self-care alone, but soul care, your mind, your will, your emotions to be able to be a reset. So then you're a better caregiver for the person that you're caring for. Yes. Thank you so much. Great information, right from the source. For more information on how to caregive like a boss, check out impactfulcaregiving.com. Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at carepod at impactfulcaregiving.com.